just let me get just a little bit closer. That better? Everybody hear that all right? I talked to Mike uh, Friday and Saturday. I told him that if he needed help, I'd try to have him a little. I'd try to have a little something ready, uh, even if it was at short notice. And you know, when you read God's word, you know, from time to time, there's always thoughts that come into your mind. And uh, I'd been thinking about something. Uh, along the lines of leadership. And uh, my mind starts going through some of the leaders that we've had down through our history and thought about some of our founding fathers uh, of our country here and uh, even men that we think spiritual leaders that we've had. You know, you think about men like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and... uh, the military leaders that we've had. You know, I could go on and on and keep on mentioning men and women that have been leaders, and I'm sure that you're thinking about some right now. But one of the things that makes people great, uh, these leaders, they've got followers. And that one song that we had sang just a little while ago, Follow On. You don't know how many times I thought about that song yesterday. We think about people who understand what each of these leaders were accomplishing. And then you turn your attention to Jesus Christ as part of the God, the Son of God, He didn't need any of us to make him great. You can't improve on the perfect Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. But he used his followers to to get out the message of salvation to the world. If you would, turn over in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. And we're going to read here where Christ had been just been tempted in the wilderness by Satan. And this is the point in time where Jesus began to start his ministry. If you look at the book of Matthew chapter 4, and let's look down here in verse 12. It says, Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast, in the borders of Zabulon and Naphtalim, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtalim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. 
from this time here, we see that Jesus began to start to call his disciples, his followers. And you read on down here in verse 21, it says, And going on from thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Jesus went about all the in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had palsy and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. The Bible tells us here they followed, and they learned from Christ, and they were used to spread the gospel message. And you know what? He uses us the same way today. As his followers, his disciples were to proclaim that same gospel message that he started with. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, I've never seen... You know, I think of things when I heard of when I was a kid, when I heard preached. About seemingly what foresight some of our preachers had about saying that this is going to happen and this is going to happen. I've never seen in my life that it seems that this message that we are to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's clearer now than it ever has been. The Bible speaks of signs of the times and Surely we can see those things so evident around us. I could go on and on about things that are happening in the world. and You know, when something happens, it just makes you shake your head and you think, how in the world can that be? But that's not what I was thinking about when I started to jot down some notes. Now, Mind you, yesterday, when I was when I talked to Mike, uh, I was getting ready to go outside, and I was weed eating out back of the house. And yesterday, and um, things kept popping in my mind. You know, that's, that's the way I am. You know, if I go out, used to be when I go out and run and exercise, things would pop in my mind. I'll go out and work. I'll work in the garden. If I go out there and work like that, things begin to pop in my mind. So sometimes if things don't seem a little bit clear, it might have been a time I was changing the string on my weed eater, or maybe I was putting gas in it, or, or maybe it was the reason why I got out there and was weed eating. My hay's getting kind of thin. I still have some, but I was weed eating so I could rake it up and give it to the cattle. And they was over there bawling at me. They was across the road. And it's funny because when they see me or call and walk outside, they start hollering. 
But some of the things that came to my mind were us being followers of Christ. What are some of the characteristics of a good follower? Things that we are to exhibit in being a follower of Christ. And now there's many. And I certainly won't be able to cover all of them. But I'll go through some this morning. If I have an opportunity again, maybe we'll do some more of these things. I don't know. To be a follower of Christ is to strive to conform our actions, our conduct, and our lives to those of the Savior. It is to get virtues of the example that He set before us. A true disciple of Jesus Christ, when you have some examples that we have in the Bible, you think about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, who later we know has become known as Paul. He was completely changed by the atonement of Jesus Christ. A man who was active in the persecution of the church and the saints to be changed to become one of the greatest servants of God. And when Paul spoke to the saints there at Corinth, now you don't have to turn over there, but I'm just going to read one verse here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul was preaching here to the Corinthians and he gave them an invitation. And the invitation that he gave them says this, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Not only to the Corinthians church here, he's given it to each one of us today. So I began to think about Paul. I think about some of the examples that we have in the Bible and about the characteristics or qualities that fall. When I was working yesterday, the first one that came to my mind was humility. Being humble. And I think about the humility of Christ being part of the Godhead. How that He humbled Himself and He came here in the flesh. He became 100% man. Even though He was 100% God. And He lived a sinless and a perfect life. And he did that to do the will of the Father. In the book of Hebrews chapter 2, <coughs> Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 says this, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, 
for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom all things, for whom all things, and by whom bringing many sons into, the, into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctified and that he sanctified all one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name to my brethren in the midst of the church while I sing praise unto thee. One hundred percent God, yet humbled Himself in His flesh. It's hard for us to understand the struggles that Christ had in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I think about the times that He went and He prayed to God three different times. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, he said, Father, if thou remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. His humility was to do the will of the Father. He prayed that three times. And he said that he prayed in verses 43 to 44 of Luke chapter 22 as if it were great drops of sweat with blood that came from his forehead. It's hard for us to understand that. That's the example of humility that we are to follow. Christ on the cross, he could have called. Yes, he could have. He could have called 10,000 angels. The Bible tells us that. To set him free. But he knew the will of the Father, he knew what he had to do. Now think about that humility that he had. Very few of us have it. The Lord has ways of bringing us into humility. Will came in yesterday <laughs> and he got had a haircut. Got a nice haircut. Slaked on the side parted it on mine. He walked in and I said, boy, we all said, that's a nice haircut. kind of looks like Papaw's. And he told me, he said, yeah, but mine's brown and yours is white. <laughs> if you look over in the book of Peter, in the book of 1 Peter, in 
Peter chapter 5. And look down here, beginning in verse 5. It says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God... Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I looked at some of these statements here. Be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. God, humble yourselves. I'm not trying to heap praise on Brother Joe, but Brother Joe is one of the most humble people that I know. And you know why he's humble? It's because he is following the example that was given to him by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Brother Joe's walk with humility. It's a show of his testimony. He doesn't need to say anything about it. He proclaims it in his walk. Most people don't have this characteristic of humility. And I'm not talking just about Christians. I'm talking about people that are out in the world too. I'm talking about those who are out in the world here and you know when I was out working yesterday I thought about that word humble one of the a, a song that Mac Davis used to sing back in the 70's kept coming into my mind I was going along weed eating I was thinking about follow one and I was you know singing that Mac Davis song in my mind <laughs> That song that Mac Davis sang, I don't know if you remember, but part of it goes like this, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I get up and look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. I must be one heck of a man. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. There are a lot of people that's got that attitude today. That's what people think about themselves. And I've got a story to share with you about what happened to me this week and maybe it's why some of these thoughts that came into my mind that I was having. And I told Carla about this already and she's, she's probably going to know what I'm going to say. You know, I and have a lot of doctors and dentists and humility is not a characteristic that I would attribute to many of them. Let's just say they have that doctor attitude. That attitude says, I'm the doctor and you're not. Well, we had a afternoon this past week, I believe it was on Wednesday, that 
We were scheduled in the dental clinic at the VA to have a team building event. That's what they called it. <coughs> but Joe, y'all probably have some of those things. Yeah, team building event. <laughs> I thought, man, this is just the time I ain't going to be able to see patients. That's all, that's all kept going through my mind. <laughs> And the VA, I'm getting ready to retire here pretty soon, and the VA has hired a new dentist to help out when I retire. And he's definitely one of those doctors that has that I'm the doctor attitude. You know, sometimes I've heard him say and speak things that are a little bit condescending to the staff. to the assistants, to the hygienists. But he says it to it in front of patients, in front of the veterans. I think if he's not careful, some of them veterans are just liable to get up out of the chair and just kind of smack him around a little bit. And it became so much of a problem that the hygienists and the, and the assistants, they come to me and tell me how hurt they are by what he says. Well, we all have to go into a room at this this team building event, and we get in there and we sit at these tables. And a fellow introduces himself, and he tells us about some of the activities that we're going to have to do that day for team building exercises. One of the things that we did was that we had an exercise where we were to write down. Three statements about ourselves. Two of them had to be true and one of them had to be a lie. And we had to guess which one was a lie. You know, the rest of the people, they were keeping score on it. And it was kind of funny, the things that I heard going around the table, and they'd, no, that's true, no, that's true, and I just laughed about it. Uh, The things that I wrote down, I put down, I have two dogs, I have one sister, and then I put, I can't swim. Well, most everybody knew that my lie was I can't swim, and they guessed it pretty easily and stuff, and you know, some of the, uh, again, some of the things that were said, they, they kind of surprised me, but we were having pretty fun with it and laughing about it till we got to the new dentist. And this is what his three statements were. At all levels of education, I have always been in the top five of my class. Five, five percent, something like that. I was an alternate for the Junior Olympics in Taekwondo. I have only owned two cars since 1984. Knowing the kind of fellow that he, uh, that, that he was, every one of us guessed that his lie was about the cars. We all felt like he was trying to beep his horn a little bit for the things that he thought that we should know about him. All the assistants and the hygienists came up to me the next day and they said, I can't believe that he said that. 
like it was supposed to impress us. But it had exactly the opposite of effect. There's no humility. After talking about this, I don't even want to say this really, but in 2018, I don't mention this to anybody that's in, the people in the clinic know, 2018, I was the number one dentist in all the VAs in the United States. They gave me that award. And I told the medical director, I said, this should not be about me. This should be about those that helped me in the dental clinic. I said, the dental clinic needs to be recognized, not me. Anytime that there's a, somebody that comes in for a job interview and they come up, Dr. Joseph, the chief of the dental services, he introduces people to us as we go by. And he says, he, Dr. Joseph always says, and Dr. Prater was the number one dentist in the VA in 2018. I don't want, I don't care. But after that other dentist had said this in that team building meeting the hygienist and the dentist said we're going to start making a point when we're in front of him to call you the dentist of the universe <laughs> <laughs> but I told him don't do that I said it's okay individuals who walk humbly with God remember what the Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ have done for them through the working of the Holy Spirit. Yes. We honor God with Him. Yes. And as I said, Brother Joe, you attest to that fact. Another quality that I thought about was that we should have as followers is courage. Now, I want you to think about the courage that it took for a 12-year-old boy. I'm not going to turn over in the book of Luke and read this. I have in the book of Luke chapter 2 verses 41 to 52 written down. But what it tells us over there is that Joseph and Mary had went into Jerusalem for the observance of the Passover. When they left, they forgot Jesus. Think about that movie, Home Alone. They left him. So, when they went back, the Bible tells us that he was sitting in the temple where they found him, the temple of God, among the doctors of the law and teaching them divine things, things that he had already had very early in his life. He had to have a sense of courage. Yes, he did. Yeah. A particular courage. Well, most probably would have expected the 12-year-old young boy like that being taught by the doctors of the law, he was teaching them. And they were asking questions when they heard him. Amen. I think about the courage that 
missionaries must have in going to some of these foreign countries and they're told not to preach the gospel message and raising up followers of Christ. You're not supposed to take any Bibles into China. I think about the missionaries that we support in Guyana and Peru, Thailand, Australia, traveling across those areas from one village to another on roads that are patrolled by guerrilla terrorists. And I'm sure when they go that they have a sense of fear for their lives. But they understand the greater mission that they're there for. And don't think that it can't happen here or it won't happen in this country. You know, we got just a little taste of this a couple of years ago when all this stuff started with COVID. Remember the struggle that we had about how we were going to handle our services? One of the first things that the government said was, you close your doors and you don't go to church. You can't assemble. That went on for a long time. We still feel the effects of it today. The government says, if you go in, we're going to come and get you. But if there's a will, there's a way. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We persevere from the direction that we're given from our Heavenly Father. We should have courage to do what is right, even when it's unpopular. The courage to defend our faith and to act by faith. We need to have the courage to repent daily, to accept God's will and obey His commandments. We need to have the courage to live righteously and to do what is expected of us in our various responsibilities and our positions, not only out in the world, but here in the church. Think about spreading the gospel message. It's not popular in the world. And it's not popular in the world because of the convictions that it causes. Spreading the gospel message for us, for our mission works, it's going to meet resistance. When Christ spoke on the Mount of Olives about the last times, In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 9, this is what he says. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. But we're still to have courage to take the gospel message. 
Now, I'm going to stop there this morning. I did have a couple other ones, and I'm going to maybe think about them sometime. I thought about forgiveness. I thought about sacrifice. And there's many, many others. So I, I, I just hope that you got a little something out of this morning, and I get a chance. I'll get the weed eater back out, and we'll think of some more thoughts. Brother Randy, you got a song to dismiss.